For those of you who are parents, I trust you've had the following experience. The experience of uh, being confounded and exasperated uh, by your children because they are telling you that they have nothing to do as they are filled with a house of toys and games and numerous activities waiting for them to enjoy. Even by the second week of summer vacation, parents are likely to have heard those uh, infamous words from the mouths of children, I'm bored. But I would like to potentially turn the tables uh, on you this evening, and uh, not just those of you who are parents. Uh, I would like us to consider the following thought, uh, the thought of how much it certainly grieves the Spirit of God within us when, uh, whenever we neglect the revelation of God that He has given to us. And it's not that being bored itself is a sin. Uh, what's wrong is when we are looking for something to excite us, and yet we do not turn to the Word of God and cast our eyes on God's creation around us in order to, to linger in meditation upon the glorious knowledge of God that we have. Now, granted, we are not likely to mope about the house, uh, complaining about having nothing to do. We're, we're likely too busy to find ourselves doing that. Can you be busy and bored at the same time? I, I think you can. I'm talking about what we do in the spare time that we do have. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about what we might do more if we... Don't allow ourselves to be too busy doing other things. I'm talking about what we ought to be eagerly even planning to do the moment we find ourselves free to do it. Charles Spurgeon, uh, the great Reformed Baptist preacher, once wrote these words, and I quote, The proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of the child of God, is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom we call our Father. And in the same sermon, he went on to say, he, he who thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of God. But Spurgeon was certainly not speaking on his own. He was simply echoing and preaching the message of God's word heard distinctly in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, where God himself says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts 
boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Do we recognize that uh, what we have is the very knowledge of God? And do we realize that, that our eyes are supposed to have been opened to the glory of God in creation? Where then is our interest in the contemplation of his being? Where is our eagerness to grow in the knowledge of God? And where is our sense of awe and and wonder in meditating upon the glorious character of God revealed in Jesus Christ? I say as much by way of introduction in hopes of gaining your interest, of course, but uh, um, even gaining your eager interest. Uh, But I preach this sermon to sound the call in this new year for an eager interest in the study and meditation of God throughout the week and uh, in every part of our lives. Uh, I fear that we have lost sight of our glorious God. I fear that our lack of boasting in the knowledge of God even might belie the the truth of faith within us. And I, I make this diagnosis of our day aware of my own dullness of heart. Um, but also having observed uh, in the church uh, how little we, we speak of God outside of church, how slow we often seem to be to worship Him, how little we sometimes seem to, to care whether uh, we are singing anything of, of intentionality, we might say, in our, in our praise of God. So instead, we are called to boast in the knowledge of God. This is the first point. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. And what does that mean? What is, what is this boasting in the knowledge of God? There are actually two meanings uh, to the word boast in, in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Uh, the word is first used to speak of a wrong kind of boasting, but secondly, of a good kind of boasting. The wrong kind of boasting is, is a matter of vanity and, and, and pride, uh, and it's the kind of boasting we do when we boast of our own wisdom, of our own strength, of our own worldly wealth. But the right kind of boasting is what we do when, let's put it this way, when we glory in the knowledge of God. So what does it mean to boast or to glory in the knowledge of God? First and most basically, it means that the knowledge of God is what we greatly value. It's what we highly esteem. In fact, it's, <clears throat> it's not just our top priority in a long list of priorities. Rather, as, as Paul puts it in Philippians 3, it's, it's counting all else as loss compared to the surpassing glory of this knowledge. Or as David says in Psalm 63, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. 
my lips will praise you. So first, it's, it's what we greatly value. Second, to boast or to glory in the knowledge of God means that the knowledge of God is, is, is what we are excited about. Even when someone boasts in that wrong way, it's because they have something that they greatly value and because they have something that they are very much excited about, and that's themselves. So why are we not the most excited people on earth? David wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But even more, therefore, to boast or glory in the knowledge of God means that it's what we give our attention to. It's what we study. It's It's what we think about. It's what we meditate on. Sometimes we think of being a student as an identity and a, and a function that only belongs to, well, students. But really, to be a believer is to be a disciple of Christ, and to be a disciple of Christ is to be a student of Christ. And so we are all students, which raises the question, what are we studying? What are we interested in? What are we hoping to gain the knowledge of in our lives. There will always be something that we are studying. It's just human nature to be a student. But to be a student of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ, is to dedicate ourselves to the knowledge of God as that knowledge is given to us exactly in the person and the work the character of Jesus Christ. To glory in the knowledge of God is, as Psalm 27 says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. If you think about those kind of references in the psalm, how do you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? God is invisible. How do you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? Such references require, even demand, our understanding that God is revealed to us. God is shown to us to be beautiful through Jesus Christ himself as God's own revelation of himself. It means, as Psalm 139 says, that the knowledge of God is is what we fall asleep thinking about and wake up in the morning still pondering. Or as Psalm 63 says, to glory in the knowledge of God is is to meditate on him through the very watches of the night. Think of the last time you received some really great news. Perhaps a a baby was to be born. Uh, Perhaps your favorite author was due out with a a new book. Uh, Perhaps someone you love was coming to visit in in the near future. Wasn't it the case that you found yourself dwelling on that Great news, your, your thoughts always coming back to that news that you've heard and coming back to it again and again and again because you are so excited, in the very least interested, in what you have heard is about to happen. That's, that's what it is to boast or to glory in knowing the one true God. But further still, to boast or glory in the knowledge of God means that it's what we talk about. 
and in terms of worship. It's what we are eager to sing about. Think about the Think about that great news that, that was told to you. Surely the more we dwell on something within our hearts and our minds, the more we want to talk about it with others, especially with those who value that knowledge as much as we do. So even within the church, to boast of knowing God will surely mean to speak of God. And to glory in knowing God will surely lead us to declare His glory in song, to proclaim what we know of God as a matter of praising Him and as a matter of proclaiming to others His glorious character. The Psalms are full of good examples of what it means to to boast in the Lord. In the Psalms, we hear the psalmist boasting in the Lord and and, and leading the people to glory in their God. Psalm 96 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to Him all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all the peoples. And so it is that... uh, each day that we meditate on the glorious character of God revealed in what He has done, uh, done for us through Jesus Christ, uh, it ought to make us all the more eager for each next, each new Lord's Day. Each day that we dwell on and, and talk about the knowledge of God, it ought to, it ought to be building within us a, a, a dam ready to, to burst that we would come with a desire to to enter into the assembly of of God's people in order to sing with God's people the great praises of our God. Psalm 111 says, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. So there's that sense of, of boasting in the Lord by, by thinking about, by pondering what He has done, because it's through what He has done that we know who He is as a God of, of all glory. It means to delight in the works of God for the salvation of His people. The next verse there says, Full of splendor and majesty are His work, and His righteousness endures forever. That brings us to consider the further matter. To some degree, we have a a two-point sermon that's pretty rare, but uh, here's the second point. We'll we'll end with some conclusions and and applications, but, but it brings us to the second matter that Jesus Christ himself is the revelation of God to us. We touched on this already, but it's It's worth coming back to and giving full emphasis. Sometimes sometimes we pray, I think I pointed this out before, sometimes we pray, God, we praise you for who you are and for what you have done. But we really ought to say, we praise you for who you are as you have revealed yourself through what you have done. In other words, the two are one and the same. Who God is, as far as our knowledge of Him, 
is made known to us through what he has done. We praise you for what you have done to show us what a glorious God you are. And as we worship him, we are called to name his his glorious deeds and to acknowledge before him the things that he has done. And, And that brings us to the person and work of Christ by which God is made known to us. John 1. You thought I was going to say John 17. I will eventually. but uh, John 1, verse 14 says of Christ, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in John 17, Jesus prays these words, And this is eternal life. This morning we looked at Hebrews 11, verse 1, which is a very clear definition of faith within God's Word. Here in John 17, we get a very clear definition of eternal life. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I glorified you on earth, said our Lord, having accomplished the work you gave me to do, said Jesus in his prayer to his Father. And he goes on to pray, I have manifested, another word, uh, meaning the same thing as I have revealed you, I have made you known, I have manifested your name, the name of God being who God is, his character, his reputation, what is known of him. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Here Jesus really makes an important connection for us, the, the connection between knowing God and knowing Christ. And he even gives us a, a definition here, as we mentioned, this is eternal life, that they know you. To know God is to be saved from sin and death. To know God is to have eternal life. But this is only true because knowing God requires that we know Him through Jesus Christ who came to reveal Him. Jesus came to reveal the the love of God, firstly in His deeds of kindness and compassion shown to the, the people, but ultimately His love and and his compassion in his sacrifice in the place of sinners. Jesus came to reveal the justice of God, firstly in his, in his preaching of the law, the, but, but ultimately by his satisfaction of the wrath and judgment of God on the cross. Jesus came to reveal the power of God, firstly in his miracles, but ultimately in his own resurrection. In other words, if you, if you want to know God, you must know Jesus Christ. Because only in knowing Jesus Christ will your heart and your eyes be opened to the knowledge of God. But the point to be made here is, is that we, we do know Jesus Christ, do we not? Which means that we have the very knowledge of God the fullness of God's revelation has been given to us in His Son. Truly, it is a glorious knowledge. 
that we have in Christ. Because truly he is himself a glorious God. So how can Christians spend a whole evening together without taking up the things of God in their conversation? And yet I think it happens all too often. How can God's people in Christ open God's word together to read devotions and so quickly close it again without being drawn irresistibly into a a spontaneous Bible study, a group meditation upon what God's word has has said and, and, and upon who God is as revealed in what he has done for us. But I think it happens all too often. And what does it say of us if we do not glory, truly glory, in our knowledge of God? Consider that we know who God is. Can we not hear how profound that claim is? We know God. The world certainly recognizes how profound that that statement is. And and when they hear us make a claim, they will accuse us of knowing too much. They will accuse us of arrogance. They will charge us with saying way more than we should because sinful man always wants God to remain a, a fuzzy concept brought into focus only by individual preference and personal choice. But this must be the bold confession of God's people, that that the God of infinite glory has made himself known to us through Jesus Christ. So what does it say of us if we are not eager to dwell on this knowledge, if we are not eager to ponder the glorious deeds of God in Christ, if we are not eager to speak and sing of the glorious character of God revealed to us through His Son. In the very least, it says that the flesh is very much with us. But maybe it even belies our faith. Could that be true of you, that that your lack of interest in God's Word and and in the knowledge of God shows that, that you do not truly know God through Jesus Christ? It is possible to know of God and yet to lack the true knowledge of God. It is possible to know something of God and yet to be in need of a saving knowledge of God. We do not value the knowledge of God. If we are not excited to to spend time in God's word, if we hardly give thought to God whenever we're not in church, at least, if we are not heard speaking of Christ our Savior, can can we yet claim a true and saving faith in Christ? In the very least, it says, as I've mentioned, that the flesh is very much too much with us. Sometimes when we think about past generations uh, of the church, it's, it's possible that we, uh, we might miss something in our evaluation of them. Uh, perhaps we label the saints of yesterday as, uh, as being joyless in their faith. Uh, they didn't know how to worship. Uh, they didn't know how to rejoice in God. Uh, they didn't have Bible studies to uh, or, or, or they didn't go on spiritual retreats and, and weekends. And maybe some of that's true. I, I wasn't there. 
But I'm convinced this much is true, that they had, in past generations, a far, they had far less spare time than we do. Think about this. They had far less spare time than we do, and they gave far greater percentage of that time to talking about the things of God. From what I hear, they, they never got around to jumping and shouting in church, but they found joy in this, that they talked about the God of their salvation through Jesus Christ. They talked about it. They discussed it. And the point is not to go back to the 1950s. If, if, if there's a, a decade to return to, it, maybe it's the 1850s. The point, rather, is to boast in the Lord, to glory in our God. Bible studies are great things. Spiritual retreats have their place. But why wait? We shouldn't need a, 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 an organized time. It should happen within our hearts. It should happen within our thoughts. It should happen within our daily interaction with other believers that we just are eager and, and ready and, and, and very much willing to, to speak of God revealed to us in Christ, to discuss the knowledge of God that we have in the gospel through the Bible that we have as God's own word. How will you spend your time this year? It's another New Year's sermon, as I mentioned. Uh, what will occupy your time and your thoughts? Uh, you probably have uh, each week a, a busy schedule. Um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Uh, there's even a legitimate place for entertainment in our lives. But in all that your week holds, in all that the year ahead will hold for you, let this be the controlling thought. You live every day with the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And through Christ, He is your God. And He is glorious in His character beyond compare. And we are called to boast in the knowledge of God. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord, grant us to pick up our Bibles and to remember and to confess that here is your word and your word is your revelation of yourself to us most clearly through Jesus Christ. And indeed, you are a glorious God. You've made yourself known to us as a God who, if we know you, we will worship you. And if we know you, we will be drawn to know you more, to think of you often, to discuss your character, to enjoy the knowledge that we have of you in Jesus Christ. Give us this faith, O oh God, in this coming year. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.